Hey, welcome to the podcast for Scotts Hill Baptist Church. We hope this message helps you discern what is true, what is right, and what is good. Also, we pray it acts as an encouragement for you today. Everyone has a story to tell. This Christmas season, we're going to look at different perspectives of people from the Bible and the story they tell of Jesus' birth. I hope you enjoy the message. Well, we are only five days removed from the greatest celebration that we experience in America, and that is Christmas. This next Friday is going to be Christmas Day. For most of you, you are already prepared for it. You have done your shopping, you have ordered online, it's been delivered, you've got your presents, they're wrapped, they're under the tree, they're identified to the specific persons who are going to receive those gifts, and you are waiting for Christmas morning, or maybe for some families, Christmas Eve to celebrate. Now, some of you are not so organized as that. Some of you have not completed your shopping yet. And some of you may be thinking, I still have time to go online to order gifts. It's five days removed and have those things shipped. Well, unfortunately for you, if you go online tomorrow and you hope to have the gifts shipped for this Christmas, you might as well just be shopping for next year and just say that I'm ahead of the schedule for next Christmas because they will not show up. Now, having shared that with you, some of you now realize, man, I'm in trouble. I'm about desperate now. If I can't get it online, how am I going to get it? What gifts should I give if I'm going to be one of those persons shopping at the last minute? Well, I'm here to help you out this morning, and I want to give you some gifts not to buy. Now, you may be in a hurry, and you may be thinking, I just need to find something for someone, but be very careful what not to buy. This week, I went online and I checked out the top five gifts not to buy people this Christmas. Let me give you the first one. You ready? The first one is do not give some specifically pointed self-help book. For example, a book like this, Thou Shall Not Be a Jerk. Don't give that to a loved one because obviously you are admitting to them and the whole family that they are indeed jerks. So don't give a special, very pointed self-help book to anyone. Secondly, we're living in a community now where everybody's about masks. No matter what you feel about masks, there's all kind of masks around their designer mask. But if you're going to buy a person a mask, make sure you buy the right kind. Don't buy a mask for double-chinned people. That is not appealing to anyone, and you will win no people with that, okay? And let me give you a third one not to buy. Do not get a subscription to a diet plan and a weight loss for someone. Nothing says you're fat more than you give that to someone at Christmas time, okay? You don't want to do that. And neither do you want to wait to the last minute and go to Walgreens. They're open 24-7, and a lot of people shop there. But don't get a, like a nose clipper for someone at Walgreens. Everybody will know that it was a last-minute effort with no thought in, in, in it. Now, the number one least favorite gift every single year never changes, and it is the holiday fruitcake. These are the things that are often re-gifted. Now, I want to tell you, if you get any of these five gifts for someone, you may find that that book is re-gifted to you. (laughs) Thou shall not be a jerk. Now, let me tell you, we can give you a long list of what people don't want for Christmas. 
We can even talk about the kinds of things that many people want for Christmas. But there's one gift that's a non-tangible gift, an intangible gift that people want every year. Every year it's on the top of the list. And coming through the kind of year that we've had this year in 2020, this item is on the top of most everyone's list. The one thing that every year people want at Christmas is joy. People are constantly looking for joy. And this Christmas year, coming through this pandemic, what a crazy year it has been, people are wanting something to pull them out of all the frustrations and the difficulties and the pain and the losses that they may have felt in this year. And they're looking for joy. And some people are looking for it in the music of the season. Oh, the music gives me joy. Some people are looking for it in the festive celebrations and the parties This gives me joy. Some people are looking for joy, maybe in relationships. Maybe you're looking to see your loved ones, like maybe your grandchildren. Maybe you're so looking for, how did that get there? Maybe you're looking for your grandchildren. Maybe you're you're looking for the opportunity for your squeeze to squeeze with you, your grandchildren, this Christmas. Maybe you're looking for a shameless opportunity to present your grandchildren in a captive audience. (laughs) But people are looking for joy. But here's the problem. What we're looking for, the world cannot give us. It just simply can't. Oh, it might give some temporary relief from maybe the struggles and the frustrations that we're looking for. It might give us a a little bit of happiness as we're with our relatives and our friends. But all of that leaves us after New Year's Day and going into a new year with unexpectations of what may be ahead of us. You see, what the world offers never lasts. But I'm here to tell you that Christmas is about joy. And when we really understand the heart of what Christmas is about, then we can understand what God wants to do in us with joy. Now, as we continue in this series that we've been entitled, A Story to Tell, we've been looking at perspectives from different characters in the Christmas narrative. We've looked at John and looking at uh, a Christmas from eternity past. We've seen Zachariah and Elizabeth looking at Christmas in the midst of these seemingly impossible. Last week, we saw Mary and Joseph and their perspectives of looking at Christmas from when God's plans don't make sense. But today, I want to share with you the joy of Christmas. And we want to look at it from a different perspective. And the perspective is going to be at probably some, besides Mary and Joseph, some of the most popular characters in the Christmas narrative. We're going to look at it from the perspective of the angel and the shepherds and what it has to do with joy. So if you have your Bibles, open them to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Now, The whole narrative begins from verses 1 to verse 20. And this is one of the most read passages every single Christmas. It is the narrative of Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem. And you know how it starts that Caesar Augustus issued a decree that the whole known world would be measured in a census. And every family had to go to their family of origin. And so Mary and Joseph, both being from the lineage of David, needed to go to Bethlehem because Bethlehem is the city of David. And they were to go there to be registered. Now, Mary was great with child. She was ready to give birth 
at any moment. And they made the 90-mile trek from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And when they get to Bethlehem, of course, there's no room in the inn, so they find themselves in a cave. And the cave doubled as a stable of animals. And there Jesus entered into the world. Their divinity and humanity wrapped together and broke into our world in time and space, and he was born. He's placed in a manger. Can you imagine the joy that, that Joseph and Mary must have felt? And so, there's all quiet on the outskirts of Bethlehem. The Judean countryside is just going through its regular routine, and then... Luke shifts the scene. Beginning in verse 8, he says this. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, that was not an unusual thing for Bethlehem. Bethlehem was known as the city of David, but Bethlehem was also known for raising sheep, but a particular kind of sheep. Bethlehem was known for raising sacrificial lambs for the Passover. And so this was a place where they raised these precious little lambs, lambs without spot, without blemish. And so these shepherds were very careful about the product that they were raising. Now, these shepherds are out in the Judean countryside, and we don't know how many shepherds there were. But typically, what would happen in the evenings, the shepherds would bring all their sheep together from different folds. They would make a makeshift sheep pen and they would put all the sheep in there, and all the shepherds would gather together, and they would all watch each other's sheep. They would protect them from enemies, whether it's animals or thieves. And then they would just meet together. They would fellowship. They would laugh. They would catch up with one another. There could have been dozens of shepherds here. We don't know. But here they are on the outskirts, having no idea that the Son of God had just entered the world. And as they're sitting there quietly, all of a sudden it happens, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. We don't know who the angel is. Most likely it was Gabriel because he's the same angel in the other visitations. But he appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. It doesn't say that they were afraid of the angel. They were afraid because of the glory of the Lord and the brilliance of his glory illuminating that countryside, something they had never seen before. Then the angel says to them, fear not. In the Greek, he literally is saying this, stop being afraid. Stop being afraid. You don't need to be afraid. I'm not here for a message of judgment. I'm not here for a message of wrath. Behold. The word behold in the Greek literally means, wow, listen to this. I am about to give you the greatest news you have ever heard in your life. And here's what he says to them. That I have good news of a great joy. In other words, it actually is translated this. I am bringing you good news that is going to give you incredible joy. You're about to hear something that's going to make your heart overflow with joy for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord and we might be saying wow what kind of good news can bring that kind of joy 
The angel is about to give us in this passage five specific things that cause this good news to be incredible joy. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to hear from the angel this morning. I want us to hear from God's word this morning. And the one thing that we need to understand this Christmas is a freshness of the joy that God wants us to have overflowing in our hearts when we come to celebrate this time of the year. And he gives us five specific things. Then he gives us one challenge that is absolutely necessary to experience this joy. Father, we pray this morning that as we unpack your word, that you would teach us, Father, that you would rekindle in our hearts. And Father, for some of us, we would come to know the joy of Christmas. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let me give you those five things. Number one, it's good news that brings great joy because it is a promise kept. It is a promise kept. The angel said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David. Now, the, the thing that the shepherds knew, they were Jewish shepherds. They understood the teaching of God's word. They understood the prophetic messages of the Messiah coming. And here's what the angel is saying. He's saying, I'm bringing you some good news as great joy because God is fulfilling his promise. This day, a matter of fact, right now, the Son of God is born. He is alive right now. God has fulfilled his promise, and every promise, prophetic promise of the past, has become a reality right now. This is a historical event that actually really happened. God has stepped into time. And they understood the promises that he would have fulfilled. You see, because all the Jews knew of Micah, 5 2. Here's what Micah 5 2 says. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. So they knew that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. If you look at Matthew chapter 2, where the Magi are looking for Jesus, they come to Jerusalem, and it's about two years after the birth of Jesus, and they come there looking for him. They lost sight of the sign, so Herod calls the scribes together, and the scribes said, oh, yeah, 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 he's to be born in Bethlehem. So everybody knew that. And when the angel stood before them and said, this day, what he's declared is this, that God has kept his promise. God has fulfilled his word. God is doing exactly what he said he was going to do for the redemption of humanity. And when you go through the pages of scripture, you see constantly God keeping his promise about Jesus. Every book in the Bible, all 66, are about Jesus Christ. They all point to him. And every prophecy is a promise that not only is he going to be born in Bethlehem, but we also know that he's going to live a sinless life. We also know that he's going to be falsely accused and be put to death from Psalm 22 and, and Isaiah 53. We also know that his body will not see decay, that he's going to rise from the dead. And we see that in Psalm 2, that your Holy One will not see decay. And we see all the promises fulfilled and every event in the life of Jesus is a reminder that God keeps his word. 
But it doesn't end there. Not only do we see the promises fulfilled in his birth, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, but church, listen, we see and know the promises will be fulfilled in his return. Just as he came the first time and God fulfilled the promises, so he will come again and God will keep his word. And the thing that brings us great joy is this, that we have a God who keeps his promises. We have a God who never misleads us, who never lies to us, and everything he ever says he's going to do, he does. That's good news. That brings great joy that I can rest in the absolute certainty of the promises of God. That's good, but it gets better. You see, it's good news of great joy, not because of a promise kept only. But it is good news of great joy because it's for all people. It's for all people. He says, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now, this was a group of people, Jews, who understood that they were the people of God. And it is certain that salvation comes from the Jews. But salvation would not remain only for the Jewish people. From eternity past, God had a plan of redemption that would include the world that God's plan of redemption would go far beyond one group of people or one race or one heritage. We see that certainly Isaiah picks up on this. He says in chapter 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen among you upon you and the nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising think of the magi when they came they were from persia there were people outside of the people of god and yet they came to worship jesus as a toddler and we see the old man simeon the holy spirit taught him and spoke to his heart and says you will not see death until you have seen my messiah Eight days after Jesus is born, he's presented in the temple, and Simeon sees him. And what does he say? For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence for all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. Here's the good news that brings great joy. Salvation is not limited to just one people group. The plan of redemption is for humanity. And if you're a part of humanity, then you're part of the recipients who can receive salvation from Almighty God. It's not relegated to one group of people. It's not relegated to whether you're religious or irreligious. It's not relegated to your heritage or your background. It's not relative, related, uh, limited to any of those things. But here's the wonderful promise. That you and I, who are Gentiles, are gathered here today worshiping Jesus because God's plan of redemption is for all people. See, it doesn't matter where you come from. You can be a recipient of the incredible grace of God through a relationship that brings great joy. So, good news of great joy 
is a promise kept. Good news of great joy is certainly because it's all for all people. But it gets even better. And here's the third point. It's good news that brings great joy because it's personal. It's personal. It's not some theoretical thing. Oh, yeah, God's kept his promise. Oh, yeah, he's come for all people. No. He's come for you. He's come for you. Do you hear how personal that is? And the shepherds are there and they're listening to the angel. And they're saying, yes, he's kept his promise. Yes, it's for all people. Whoa, 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 for me? For me? I want you to put yourself in the perspective of the shepherds. Shepherds were the lowest on the rung of the ladder in society. They were only a little bit higher than tax gatherers and sinners. But shepherds were despised by the people. Shepherds were often uneducated. They were unsophisticated. They were uncouth. They were the kind of people that you wouldn't hang out with. Matter of fact, shepherds had a reputation of being dishonest. They had a reputation uh, of being thieves, taking things that were not their own. Do you know that if you were a shepherd in this day, you could never be a witness in a court of law because your testimony was considered unreliable and untrustworthy? If you were a shepherd in this day, you couldn't even go to the temple to worship because your vocation kept you out in a field and you were defiled and you couldn't even go and worship the God for whom you preparing the sheep to be a sacrificial lamb for. They were on the low rung of society. And who did the angels appear to? Some of the greatest outcast. And he says, this good news of great joy is for you. Certainly it's not me. You don't, know how, you don't know my life. People don't want to be a shepherd. It's for you. It's for you. Very personal. And they came to understand that this was something that God was giving to them individually as a gift. You see, if you look at the life of Jesus, where did he spend his ministry? With the lowest of society. He ate with the tax gatherers, with the sinners, with the drunkards. He forgave the sins of the prostitutes and adulteresses. He lived among the most broken, and he loved them and came for them. He said, I did not come for those who don't need a doctor. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And can you imagine being in a culture where the, 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 the epitome of spirituality was to be a Pharisee, and if you're anything left in that, you have no favor of God. And yet, he came for them. And here's the thing. He still comes for the broken. He comes for the outcast. He came for this young man. When I was a young man, rebellious, steeped in alcoholism and drugs and selling drugs and living contrary to everything that you can ever imagine God would want a person to be. Yet there in the midst of my lostness and my brokenness and my rebellion and even my hatred to God, he came for me. And he came for you. 
You see, it has nothing to do with how good you are because the reality is none of us is good enough. You want to know what the prerequisite for being a saint is? Here it is. The prerequisite for being a child of God is to be a sinner because that's where we all start life. And he says to us, this is the kind of good news that brings great joy. I came for you. You. But it gets better. He said, how can I get better? He keeps his promises. Promises kept. Comes for all people. It's personal. He came for you. But then we see, fourthly, it's good news that brings great joy because it's purifying. It's purifying. You see, he doesn't leave us where we are. He doesn't come and just say, hey, you know what? I'm coming for you. I'm pulling for you. No, no, no. He comes and changes us. And here's what it says. It says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Let me tell you why Jesus didn't come. Jesus didn't come just to be a good example on how you are to live your life. He didn't come for that. No. Jesus didn't come just because your life is unfulfilled and he wants to give you purpose and meaning in how to live your life. No, he didn't come for that. Jesus didn't come because your marriage is unhappy and he wants you to be happy. Or maybe you're unhappy on your job. Or maybe you're unhappy with your children. Maybe you're unhappy with your parents. He didn't come for that. You see, the reality is this. Jesus came because there is a cancer in every one of us called sin. And it's because the sin in our lives need to be dealt with, and he came to deliver us from our sin. That's why he came. Now, all the other things can be benefits of having a relationship with Christ, but that's not the beginning point. I love the way the Apostle Paul puts it. He paints a picture of every human being and where we start and how we end in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. He says, none is righteous. Now that word none means none. That means nobody. That means it's universal. We are all sinners. Every single one of us. He says none of us is righteous. That means we are all unrighteous. No, not one. No one understands. That means we are unreasonable. We do not understand our state with God. And no one seeks for God. We are unresponsive. Left in our sin, we're going to live in our sin. So we're unreasonable, we can't understand, we are unresponsive, we are unrighteous, and then the last thing, we have all turned aside. We are unrepentant, and we are all doomed. So Jesus came to save us from our sin. The word Savior is a picture of salvation. Jesus' name is actually Joshua in the Hebrew, which means God saves. And when the angel stood before Joseph, and the angel appeared to him in a dream, he said this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And here is where this good news brings great joy. Because in Jesus Christ, every single sin that you have ever had is forgiven. 
And Jesus Christ, every hope for eternity becomes a reality. And only in Jesus Christ can your sins be washed as white as snow. And Jesus came for the purpose of dying for my sin and your sin. He came for the purpose of rendering powerless sin in our lives. And he came to set us free. The addictions that we once struggled overcome. The enemy between me and God reconciled. And now we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Good news of great joy. That through Jesus Christ we are reconciled. And we can live every single day as children of Almighty God. But there's one more. It's good news that brings great joy because it's permanent. This is what I love about this. It's permanent. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Not like Phil Ortigo, Jesus Christ. It's Jesus the Christ. And the word Christ means Messiah, anointed one. Jesus came as the Messiah, and he will forever be the Messiah. He will forever be the anointed one. Jesus is not going to be voted out after a term. Jesus is not going to be impeached, and he's never going to resign because he is forever the Messiah, the anointed one, the one God sent to deliver people. And then when you see the word Lord, it always refers to his deity, that he is God. And he is never going to relinquish the fact of what Tucker introduced us to earlier, of the triune God. He is always going to be the Son. He is always going to be co-eternal. He is always going to be omnipotent. He is always going to be omniscient. He is always going to be omnipresent. He is always God. So if he is always Messiah and he is always God, then he will never relinquish his power, nor will he ever relinquish his grace to those who belong to him. And it's permanent because just as the Lord Jesus is permanent, our relationship with him is eternal and it will never have a shelf life. There is no return there are no new and improved products. We are his, and the gift of Jesus to us is permanent. The joy remains no matter what happens. So the good news brings great joy because it's a promise kept. Because it's for all people. It is personal. It is for me. It is purifying. He transforms me and changes me. It is permanent. It will never grow old and never get broken. You will receive some gifts this year that you will not appreciate. Maybe even some that I showed earlier. You, you, you will receive some gifts this year that will break. You will receive some gifts this year that may be returned or maybe they end up in the dump. But the salvation you have in Jesus Christ is permanent and it never grows old. 
But there's one thing that you have to do. The angels appear to the shepherd, the angel does. Then all of a sudden, a multitude of angels show up in the clouds and the sky, and they begin speaking to them, glory to God in the highest, and they're praising God. And then they leave. And then the shepherds are left by themselves. They're all gone. It's dark. It's quiet. What do they do? Here's the last thing we need to see. This good news that brings great joy must be pursued. It must be pursued. You see, they could have stayed right there and said, you know, that was really cool what the angels did. Man, I've never seen an angel like that before. That's pretty awesome, man. I'm still a little afraid, you know, but, um, but you know, that's pretty cool what they said. Yeah, the promises were kept. Man, that's so cool that he loves us. You see, they could have given mental assent to the Son of God, but they did more than that. You remember when the Magi went to find Herod and they wanted to find out where this child was born? And the scribes told him that he was to be born in Bethlehem. And the Magi go to Bethlehem. You know how far Bethlehem is from Jerusalem? Six miles. Six miles. The scribes knew with their head, but they didn't know anything of Jesus with their heart because they refused to pursue him. I want to tell you, a lot of people know all about Christmas. They know all about the good news of Christmas. They know all about the joy which comes with it, but they've never pursued Jesus. And year after year after year, their joy quotient never grows. But what did the shepherds do? They pursued him. Here's what Luke says. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem. Let us see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. What did they do? They pursued it. They found Jesus. And when they found that little cave, and they were told that he would be wrapped in strips of cloth and he would be laying in a manger. How many children in Bethlehem do you think were born that night in a manger? One. And when they found him, they were blown away. Why? They were shepherds. Their vocation was raising sheep, lambs for the sacrificial altar for Passover. And you know what they did to protect new lambs that were born? When the new lamb is born, they thrash about, they kick, they run. They can easily damage themselves. And if these spotless lambs damaged themselves, they would not be qualified for a Passover sacrifice. Here's what they did. They would take those little lambs when they were born. They would wrap them in strips of cloth very tightly so they couldn't kick and they couldn't squirm. And they laid them in a manger until they calmed down. And when the lamb finally calmed down, they would slowly take the strips off, protecting the lamb from any danger. And when they saw that baby in strips of cloth in a manger, they knew the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. They pursued and went after Jesus. 
Now, we don't know a whole lot about them at that point, but we know this, that when they left, they were never the same. They were never the same. Verse 20, and the shepherds returned. They returned to their vocation. They returned to their job. They returned to their lifestyles, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen as it had been told, heard and seen as it had been told them. You know how they returned? They returned two ways. Let me show you how they returned. They returned as worshipers. This great news. Incredible joy. The result? They worship God. Secondly, they returned as witnesses. It says that they have reported what they had seen and heard. And do you think that they did not go through the streets just not only praising God, but reporting, let me tell you, about the Lamb of God that was born tonight? And when we come to the end, or in the middle, or at the beginning of the Christmas season, we should always be different. It should drive us to be worshipers because of this good news that is great joy. It's for all people. It's for me. It has changed my life. His grace has caused me to be his very own. And it will never, ever, ever be removed from me. Great joy. It should drive us to worship. But not only that, it should drive us to tell others. Every single present that I open at Christmas ought to be a reminder of the joy that I receive from the Lord Jesus. Every single gift that I get should remind me of the indescribable gift of Jesus Christ. And every bit of it should drive me to raise my hands in, in worship and to tell everybody I know about the most important news of joy to the world. How's your joy quotient these days? How's your joy quotient these days? Is it running low? Is it medium? Is it high? When it comes to joy, our level of joy can be determined in a few ways. Your level of joy at Christmas is directly related to what you seek. What are you seeking? What are you seeking? Child of God, you should be seeking Him and worshiping Him for what He has done. Secondly, your level of joy at Christmas is directly related to what you do. What will you do this Christmas? Because we all have the opportunity to continue the story. And it should be with joy, with joy. If you're here this morning and you're not a child of God, you may never have pursued Jesus. Oh, you've heard the truth all the time and you've walked right past it. You've never gone to the manger. You've never sought him. And this morning he is speaking to you and he's saying to you, I am your source of joy. Come to me. Surrender your life to me and let me be the Savior the Lord, the God of your life.
And if you're a believer this morning, don't let the world rob you of the greatest news that brings you joy, your relationship with him. Christmas is Thursday, Friday. Thursday night we'll gather together to have a great time of celebration and intimacy as we worship. Don't wait until then to worship. Worship now. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to close this out in a word of prayer. Then I'm going to ask you to stand. And we're going to close with joy to the world. And as you sing that song, may the Holy Spirit of God renew your joy this morning. That as you leave here, you will leave in the joy of the Lord and rest in him. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. We thank you for your truth, and we thank you, Father, of this simple reminder that our joy is found in you. Our joy is found in the gift that you have given to us in Jesus Christ. Father, that our joy is eternal, and it's not determined by the circumstances of our lives, but, Father, it is an internal disposition that only comes through a relationship with you that can never change. Father, we thank you for your fulfilled promises. We thank you that your plan of redemption is for all and for me. And Father, that it is purifying and it's permanent. And Father, may we sing and declare the joy of the Lord this morning because of your great love for us. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Scotts Hill Podcast. Thank you to those who continue to give generously to this ministry. If you want more information about Scotts Hill, how to get connected in your community, or if you just want to know more about Jesus, visit scottshill.org slash next steps for more information. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe to get notifications of future episodes. You can also share it with your friends via text message or take a screenshot and post it on your social media stories, whatever you want to do. Just make sure you tag us at Scotts Hill. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.